This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Old radio. Old radio. Old radio. Old radio. Old radio. Comedy Podcast. Welcome to episode 80 of season 3 of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. Duffy's Tavern was a situation comedy slash variety program that ran on different networks between 1941 and 1951 and starred Ed Gardner as Archie, the manager of a tavern called Duffy's, named after the owner who's never seen or heard throughout the show's run. The show featured famous guest stars every week, and usually one or two musical numbers interspersed throughout the episode's storyline. Each show started with Archie answering the phone and saying, Hello, Duffy's Tavern, where the elite meet to eat, Archie the manager speaking. Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. Others in the cast were Duffy's daughter, played by several actors, Clifton Finnegan, played by Charlie Cantor and Sid Raymond, Eddie the Waiter, played by Eddie Green, and others. The show was extremely popular during its run, causing a boom of real-life taverns by the same name to spring up all over the country, many of which survive to this day. Armist Brooks remains to this day a favorite among old-time radio comedy fans. It ran from 1948 to 1957 on CBS Radio and starred Eve Arden in the title role. She played Connie Brooks, the English teacher at Madison High School. Her love interest, the clueless biology teacher, Mr. Boynton, was played by Jeff Chandler and later Robert Rockwell. The school's dictatorial principal, Osgood Conklin, was played by Gail Gordon. Walter Denton, Miss Brooks' chauffeur and a student, was played by Richard Crenna. Others in the cast were Jane Morgan as Margaret Davis, Gloria McMillan as Harriet Conklin, Leonard Smith as Stretch Snodgrass, and Mary Jane Croft as Miss Enright, among others. The show was extremely popular and transitioned to television from 1952 to 1956, running concurrently with the radio program, and starring all the same actors, with the exception of Jeff Chandler as Mr. Boynton. Now sit back and enjoy the December 7, 1943 broadcast of Duffy's Tavern, and the April 24, 1949 broadcast of Our Miss Brooks. Where the elite made date, Archie, the man just faking Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. Tonight, uh, Billy Burke, the movie actor. Huh? What's he like? Well, uh, just imagine one of them Sinatra fans grown up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she plays in them drawing room pictures. You know, oh, uh, pardon me, Mrs. Stinkport. Uh, did I just drop some ice cream down your shirt? <laughs> yeah, Billy Burke, yeah, sort of a female Finnegan. Well, Duffy, a lot of people get paid for being dumb Which reminds me, Duffy, how about that raise? Raise More money Raise That's funny, I can hear you Well, Duffy, you could give me a dollar raise How about 75 cents? 
50 cents? 35? Look, my pride's gonna answer this transaction any minute. Huh? Money ain't everything? Working for you, it ain't anything. <laughs> I'll call you back. Oh, Eddie, how that stuffy hates to spend dough. Yeah. He sure hates to part with money. Don't he know he can't take it with him? There is one guy, Eddie, if he can't take it with him, I guarantee he don't go. <laughs> Boy, am I broke. Uh, look, uh, you, uh, you got any dough, Eddie? No. Uh, look, I just seen a guy tip you a quarter. Lead. <laughs> well, let's see it. Did you fight it? Mm, yeah, I did it once, and I did it twice, and before I knew it, it was gone. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Archer, how come you so suddenly so money conscious? Well, you see, what's mainly bothering me is me, I can't afford to buy war bonds. You know, like a lot of other guys on this new drive, the government wants you to put 10% of your salary in bonds. I don't make that much. <laughs> The government needs it for ammunition. Yeah, if they relied on you and me, they'd be shooting babies. <laughs> yeah, we gotta do something. Eddie, won't your girlfriend, Sonia Jones, lend you some dough to buy barns? Oh, no, no. Just throw at me, because I'm always broke. Eddie, maybe she don't really love you. Oh, she loves me all right. The question is, can she afford me? Look, <laughs> well, Eddie, if a heart really belongs to you, dough shouldn't enter into it. Oh, a heart belongs to me, all right. The trouble is, the rest of her goes out with guys who have dough. Money, money, money. I just got to raise some dough some way. How about your song? Leave us face it. Well, uh, you see, I got a certain amount of income from that, but uh, I'm talking about real dough. Five or ten bucks. <laughs> I ain't talking no chicken feed. I lost it. I lost it. yet. Finnegan, how come you're so excited over Billy Burke? Oh, after all, she's an attractive dame, and I'm an edible bachelor. <laughs> edible. <laughs> Finnegan, the word is illegible. Illegible. Uh, it's illegible as somebody who can't read. Can you read? No. Touche. Sure, <laughs> Hey, wait a minute. Here comes Crackpot O'Toole with Jack Forge. Hiya, Crackpot. Uh, what are you doing here tonight? I'm looking for Crudface Clifford. Crudface Clifford, uh, the safe cracker? Yeah. You just missed me, huh? Just went out for lunch with Clancy the cop. Uh, what do you want with Crudface? Well, I'm thinking of giving up fortune. And I understand Crudface wants to sell his safe cracking route. Goodwill and all. <laughs> Crackpot, you retiring from forging checks? Why, that's like if Albert Spaulding wants to stop making baseballs. Arch, <laughs> I can't help it. It's getting so I despise the very word forgery. Crackpot, I'm glad your poor old dad ain't around to hear you say them words. <laughs> Crackpot O'Toole, the son of facsimile O'Toole. <laughs> the greatest forger that ever lived. He'd be hurt, Crackpot, if he knows. Maybe he does know. Maybe he knows everything that you do. You know, they, they hear about them things up in Sing Sing. 
generations of forgers. Why, that's a tradition. You shouldn't forget, Crackpot. Two generations? The old tools have been forged since the founding of this country. <laughs> Pardon the uh, momentary levitidity, Crackpot. <laughs> but, uh, look, with such a background, Crackpot, you mean to tell me you want to become a common, ordinary safe cracker? Well, Arch, I've been sort of thinking... I'd like to get married and settle down. A little cottage small by a waterfall. Me own little warden to come home to. And maybe, who knows, a little crackpot running around. <laughs> but, uh, why switch to safe cracking? Well, look, Arch, one day me kid's gonna look up at me and say, Daddy, what's your line of work? If I say, forge it, it sounds like a sissy. But if I say, Sonny, last night your daddy blew open the first national bank... There's something he can brag about to his little playmate. <laughs> but Crackpot getting married, that marriage is poison, you know. It, that is a sentence where there ain't no parole. And good behavior only makes it last longer. <laughs> Arch, what's wrong with marriage? Oh, nothing. It's wonderful. But not for single guys. <laughs> Believe me, for a bachelor, it's poison. Crackpot, don't listen to him. Marriage is the most noble experience a man can go through. Enemy propaganda. <laughs> now listen, Miss Duffy. Now take that radio program I listen to. What radio program? One second husband. <laughs> yeah, it's another one of them daytime serials. This one has absolutely been taken from true life. Who says so? The announcer. <laughs> it's the story of this girl, Millicent, who's made 22 husbands supremely happy. Just a minute. If these guys was all so supremely happy, why did they all divorce her? They didn't. They mostly killed themselves. Oh, sure. How much happiness can a guy stand? Uh, look. How often does this Millicent get a new husband? Every week. Every week a guy gets bumped off or divorced? They have to. They have to? Why? That's the idea of the program. Every Friday, there's a contest for the name of the husband who starts Monday. You mean they change the name of the program every week, like from 22nd to 23rd husband next week and 24th husband and so on? That's right. What did they call the program when it started? Millicent Murphy, Girl Wallflower. Brother, a husband a week. Who sponsors this program? Bird's undertaking power. Oh, well, uh, tell me, who is the, uh, Millicent's latest victim? His name is Cedric Frederick. Sounds like a cat. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, he is. You see, he has a friend of his who's been getting him to forge checks in Millicent's name. Now, Cedric and his friend are rolling in money when all Just of a sudden... Just a second. The guy is forging checks in Millicent's name, and him and his friend is rolling in doom. Crackpot, are you listening to this? <laughs> to me, it's very boring. <laughs> to me, it's very interesting. Crackpot, you were talking about getting married before. Have you ever seen Billy Boyke? Billy Boyke? Yeah, a dame with a fat checking account and a simple signature. <laughs> Not as a sense. A <clears throat> dame like Billy Pound, and uh, with that little gift of yours, uh, you marry her and the both of us is in the dough. But, Arch, didn't you just tell me that marriage is poison? 
Besides, how old a dame is this silly boy? Well, to be frank with you, you know, she ain't silly to kids. <laughs> but uh, you've got to remember, you see, uh, an older dame is always more mature. Uh, <laughs> look, are you listening to me? What are you looking at there? Now, there's a tomato. I wouldn't mind marrying. Crackpot, that ain't no tomato. That's Benet Venuta, the singer. Very high-class tomato. Uh, strictly Park Avenue. Oh, a tomato, huh? <laughs> and with plenty of lettuce. Hey, what do you have to pay a day like that? <laughs> What'd you say? What do you have to pay a dame like that? Nothing. Meals? No. Then why does she work here? She needs to do. Benny, uh, how about a song? Okay, Slug. Hey, boy, she sounds charming. Hey, Tomato, how's about you and me? Pot, do not trickle with this dame's emotions. Don't forget, you are practically an engaged man. <clears throat> Sing, Benny. Life's a game, but who can play it all alone? Should hold a heart to call his own. Love may come at first sight, they told me. When I saw you, I knew I had found the only love when I found you. I know that you know that I'll go where you Well, I still think the resemblance is remarkable. <laughs> well, 
Well, so you're Archie. Well, now I ain't so sure. <laughs> well, the next time I recognize you by your face, you have an easy face to remember, you poor thing. <laughs> Look, there is nothing wrong with my face. Ah, uh, that's the spirit. Keep thinking that and no one can hurt you. <laughs> well, look, uh, be that as it may, and maybe it might, but uh, how, uh, how does the joint here look to you, Miss Blake? Well, just the same as ever last year. Yeah, huh? Yes, just the same as it was last year. Nothing has been changed. Not even the tablecloth. <laughs> Miss Blake, them tablecloths were turned over only just last week. And furthermore, how come you remember the tablecloth and you don't remember me? But I do remember you. Who are you? <laughs> I'm Archie. Archie who? Archie the tablecloth. <laughs> the same as a paranomiac. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I about oh, and this is, oh, yes, yeah. uh, Mr. Clifton Finnegan, this is Miss Billy Blake. How do you do? Uh, gee, you're cute. <laughs> you're cute, too? Yeah, but you're cuter. No, no, I think you're cuter. Oh, one of them stubborn dames, eh? Well, all right, I'm cuter than you. Yeah. But yeah, you're much cuter and much more intelligent. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, you're more intelligent than I am. Oh, no, no, you're more intelligent. No, oh, no, you are. No, no, you are. <laughs> This one will be a dead heat. <laughs> well, Mr. Timberland, it's nice to have had such an stimulating talk with you. Uh, thank you, Rosa. I'm stimulated, too. Well? So, uh... Well, goodbye, Mr. Uh, goodbye, William. <laughs> Interesting conversation. Yes, Archie. A woman could be very happy with an intelligent man like that. You know, sometimes I say to myself, Finney, why don't you accept an offer of marriage from some intelligent man? Then I answer myself and I say, Finney, no intelligent man will ever ask you. Well, maybe I can help you out, huh, Miss Blake. How would you like to settle down in a little cottage small by a waterfall? Wait a minute, not me. I came here to talk for Crackpot. Now look, I got a guy for you named uh, Crackpot O'Toole. Young, attractive, hard worker. What did he do? He writes. A nice, solid, settled kind of a guy. You know, not one of them flighty guys. This guy has been known to stay in one spot for from five to ten years. I think you should meet him. Well, Archie, this is sort of embarrassing. <laughs> Meeting a strange man almost sounds like matchmaking. Yeah, I guess it does. Well, what's wrong with that? Bring him in. <laughs> okay.
thinking it over. I can't marry this dame. Well, crackpot, it's your patriotic duty. Look, the government asked me to buy bonds. How can I buy bonds unless you marry this dame and get me some dough? There you go. By not... <laughs> By not doing it, you are a traitor to your country. <laughs> well, Arch... If it's for me, country... That's better, that's better, crackpot. Now, uh, let's see how you look. you got to impress the thing. Here, straighten your tie. Gee, they, they gave you a bum suit this time. <laughs> well, <laughs> now, uh, look, uh, what are you going to say to Miss Blake when you meet her? For instance, uh, uh, if you were going to ask her out to dine. Well, I say, Hoops, how about you and me going out and tying on a feed bag? Crackpot. Why oh, explain that it's on me, of course. <laughs> Crackpot, really, you're as gauche as a goat. Uh, no. You say, uh, Miss Blake, I am charmed. Would you care to sup supper, uh, would you care to sup up supper with me this fortnight? <laughs> this fortnight? <laughs> fortnight. It's an English word, means brunch. We'd better practice it. Come here, Finnegan. Uh, look, make believe you're a dame. See, I want the crackpot to try something. So, what's he going to try? Uh, uh, it says the idea is meeting a dame. Now, you beat a dame. Okay, now, uh, crackpot, let's try it. Uh, crackpot, meet uh, Miss Finnegan. Hello, Miss Finnegan. Are you busy tonight? Uh, well, I was going to stay home and rinse out a few things. <laughs> So good. Now, Crackpot, a compliment. Okay, Arch. Miss Finnegan, them is lovely diamonds you is wearing. Gosh. Oh, this is last year. You're doing great, Crackpot. Doing great. Now, the proposal. Miss Finnegan, how's about us getting hitched? So, uh, uh, will you support me? Yes. Uh, will you buy me pretty clothes? Yeah. Uh, will you buy me a beautiful house? Yeah. Uh, gee, I wish I was a dame. <laughs> uh, I think you're wonderful, Crackpot. Hey, Yarch, you got me practicing with a moron. <laughs> what do you think you're going to propose to? <laughs> you see, I want you training under actual battle conditions. <laughs> So I'll, I'll be going if nobody wants me. Okay, Finnegan. Hey, Miss Yeah, Eddie. Now, to me, this whole thing sounds jelly. <laughs> Eddie, you mean that you're trying to discourage me from buying bonds? Yeah, but you're going to get into trouble. Don't worry, Eddie. This game is foolproof. Yeah. You are the fool and this is the proof. <laughs> well, don't be such a skeptic. Come on, Sackby. Let's go. Oh, Miss Blake. Uh, uh, Miss Blake, I would like to present you with Mr. O'Toole. Uh, Mr. O'Toole, Miss Burke. Miss Burke, Mr. O'Toole. Crackpot, crackpot. How do you do, Miss Boyke? Oh, please call me Billy. Billy. That name strikes a tender note in me. Billy. I was once hit over the head with a Billy. Small world. I'm glad to hear that we have something in common. 
You mean you was hit over the head with a billy too? No, no, no. In my case, it was a careless nurse. The, uh, the soulmate and his soulmate. <laughs> Mr. O'Toole, do you read much? Whenever I get time. <laughs> he reads quite a bit. Have you ever, have you run across a tree grows in Brooklyn? Is it near Ebbets Field? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm only up to page four. Well, quit doodling with the chit-chat, crackpot. Uh, pop the question. Oh. Miss Boyd, would you care to honor me by marrying me this fortnight? Well, Mr. O'Toole, I don't usually marry strange men, but I feel that you are a man I can trust. Well, you certainly can. I used to be a trustee. Oh, a trustee? Uh, yeah, Crackpot used to be with a bank, you know, on the uh, board of trustees. Oh, a bank Mr. O'Toole. I accept your proposal. Good, good. Uh, Miss Boyd. On which bank do you carry your checking account? Checking account? Why, I wouldn't think of having a checking account. All my money is in war bonds. No checking account? Hey, Yarge, I've been roped in. <laughs> Don't look at me. I warned you. I told you marriage was poison for bachelors. Don't blame me. Duffy's, <laughs> whether you ain't made dinner, she's speaking. Hello, Duffy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, next week, uh, Major Bowes is going to be here. Hey, ain't kidding. Major Bowes from the Amateur Hour. Yeah, I can hardly wake myself. Everybody will be around here. Good night, Duffy. So long. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. I'm Olive Soap, your beauty hope, and luster cream shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair bring you Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. For most teachers, the first few school days after the Easter week vacation posed a problem in readjustment to routine. But Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, didn't let the idiosyncrasies of her pupils dampen her spirits one bit. No, indeed. In fact, last Friday, after my final class, I just smiled, bowed to the students, and went quietly out of my mind. (laughs) But I'm a little ahead of my story. It all started when the undergraduate body declared last week to be Let's Dress Up Week. Contained in this malevolent Mardi Gras were such jolly daily fiestas as Clashing Colors Day, in which anyone caught wearing an outfit that matched was severely punished by his or her fellow students, And dye one leg of your trousers blue day, (laughs) which is self-explanatory. By Thursday, which was girls wear slacks and boys wear one shoe only day, Mr. Conklin, our beloved principal, was fit to be tied. At a general assembly that afternoon, he sternly demanded that all these shenanigans cease. Accordingly, I had my landlady, Mrs. Davis, wake me a little earlier than usual on Friday morning. But I still don't understand why you had me get you up at this unearthly hour, Connie. 
Why, it's only 7.15, and you're all finished with your shower and everything. Oh, not everything, Mrs. Davis. I've still got to find a pair of stockings that haven't got a run in them. Let's see if there's a pair hiding in this drawer. You see, Mrs. Davis, Mr. Conklin's in a rampage over the way the kids at school are dressing. He says it's up to us teachers to put a stop to it. How about these stockings, Connie? They have no runs in them. Let's see. Say, they are in good shape at that. Too bad they're gloves. Gloves? <laughs> gloves? Isn't it a shame, and me without a thumb on either foot? <laughs> I never saw anyone get so many torn stockings as you do. How do you do it, Connie? I have help, Mrs. Davis. That desk of mine at school has an insatiable appetite for nylon. I begged Mr. Conklin to requisition a new desk, but he says the school has more vital needs than the new desk for my room. Like what, for instance? Like a new desk for his room. <laughs> oh, here's a pair of stockings I can wear. The runs are all in the back. Good. Now I'll make you some breakfast and... Oh, that reminds me. I forgot to tell you something while you were in the bathroom, Connie. What's that, Mrs. Davis? Oh, it's terrible how absent-minded I'm becoming. Why, I'm getting to be as bad as my sister, Angela. She can't remember a thing, poor dear. I know, Mrs. Davis, but what was it you forgot to tell me? It was about a phone call, Connie. I guess these little lapses of memory just run in my family, although Mother wasn't so bad. I'm glad. Now, about this phone call, Mrs. Davis. What phone call? <laughs> the one I received while I was in the bathroom. What a strange place to receive a phone call. <laughs> I didn't receive it, Mrs. Davis. Oh, that's too bad. Well, I'll start breakfast now. <laughs> oh, uh, Connie. Yes, Mrs. Davis? Walter Denton phoned while you were in the bathroom. <laughs> he said he's going to be unavoidably detained, but he's sending Stretch Snodgrass to drive you to school. Stretch Snodgrass? Yes. Why? I didn't know he could drive. He's a wonderful athlete, of course, but driving a car requires a certain amount of brain power. In some states, that is. <laughs> he isn't a very bright student, I know, but Stretch is a nice boy, Connie. He really looks up to Walter Denton, doesn't he? Scholastically, that shouldn't cause him any eye strain. Oh, stay there, Mrs. Davis. I'll answer it. Well, it's Harriet Conklin. Come in, Harriet. Thanks, Miss Brooks. I'll just take a minute to tell you what I want. It's that black dress with the green trim you had to wear on Easter Sunday when you splattered eggs on your new Easter dress. The one you said you were so sick of, remember? How could I forget? But what do you want with it, Harriet? Well, I need it for domestic science class. We've got to remodel something, and I wondered if you'd mind my borrowing it. I guess it's okay, Harriet. It's right here in this chair in the hall. Well, that's convenient. What's it doing there? I was going to send it to a cleaning establishment I know that loses things pretty regularly. <laughs> Here, take it. Oh, thanks a lot, Miss Brooks. Believe me, the next time you see it, you won't recognize it. If that's a promise, you're welcome, Harriet. Bye. Goodbye. Well, that's funny. She was wearing slacks, and her father is distinctly anti-girls wearing slacks to school. Are you talking to me, Connie? Why not? I just wondered why Harriet Conklin's wearing slacks today. Coming. That must be Stretch. Greetings, Miss Brooks. I have a robe. Is it Stretch? It ain't Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> Come in, Stretch. Thanks, Miss Brooks. Walter's a uh, un uh, uh... unavoidably detained. You're going to drive me to school. That's right, Miss Brooks. Stretch. Before we do anything else, I'd like to know why you're wearing that yellow and green bandana wrapped around your forehead. You know how Mr. Conklin feels about these crazy costumes. This isn't any costume, Miss Brooks. 
It's just to cover up a bad cut on my head. I don't want the other guys to see the bandage on it, or they'll think I'm a sissy if that's why I didn't win. Didn't win what? The hamburger-eating contest we had yesterday after school. That's how come I got a cut head. Let's take it nice and slowly. <laughs> you say you got a cut head in a hamburger-eating contest? That's right. I ate 19 of them. I ate 19 of them. Gosh, you wasn't even in the contest. <laughs> I mean, you ate 19 of them. I guess winning that contest was pretty important to you. Hmm? Oh, I didn't win. I came in fifth. Congratulations. But about the cut well, on your... like I said, I was just getting ready to eat my 20th hamburger when I began to see little circles in front of my eyes. Probably onion rings. <laughs> then everything got kind of dark, and I slowly toppled off my stool onto my head. And you know something? Those other guys in the contest kept right on eating hamburgers. If it hadn't been for that, I'd have won first prize, sure. Just for the record, Stretch, what was the first prize? A banana split. <laughs> That did it. I won't be eating any breakfast today, Mrs. Davis. Let's go, Stretch. And so, class, we have time for just about one more question, which is, how would you describe, as tersely as possible, the finish of Shakespeare's King Lear? Why, Stretch, your hand is up. What's your answer? What does tersely mean? Well, that's a good answer. Tersely means briefly, Stretch. Now, how did King Lear finish? He flipped his lid, didn't he? What? <laughs> Blew his cork. You know, snapped his cap. The, the fellows with the net came for him. You know, they'll be here for me soon. If you're trying to say that King Lear was driven mad, Stretch, by the miserable treatment of his daughters, why... Saved by the bell. See you tomorrow, kid. Oh, Stretch... You wait here a minute. Yes, ma'am. Do you know where Walter Denton is? This is the first time he's missed my English class in months. He said something about being late today, Miss Brooks, on account of getting up some kind of protest stunt, he said. Protest stunt? Come in. Uh, pardon me, Miss Brooks, but am I terribly late? <laughs> no, Walter, you're a little early for the next class. Uh, I'm sorry, Miss Brooks, but this is vital. Hiya, Stretch. Hi, Walter. Think of something good? A knockout. Miss Brooks, as editor of the Madison Monitor, I cannot but deplore the disciplinary action taken by Mr. Conklin in forbidding the girls at this school to wear slacks, including his own daughter. Well, they would be awfully crowded that way. <laughs> but what's the protest, Walter? You're going to wear that yellow slicker all day? Oh, no, ma'am. I'm going to take it off right now. Yeah, there. Walter, you got a dress on. My dress? Walter, what in the world are you... It's my protest gesture, Miss Brooks. As editor of the Madison Monitor, I am not only a firm believer in freedom of the press, but in freedom of dress. Hence, I refuse to wear any apparel that is taboo for the distaff side of Madison. Listen to that guy talk. <laughs> Walter, you know this won't work. Mr. Conklin's upset enough as it is without your... I'm sorry, Miss Brooks. This thing is bigger than Mr. Conklin. It's... Let me look out the window a minute while I collect my thoughts. That's what Daniel Webster always did before he made a speech. As I look out upon the hallowed grounds of our beloved school, I can't help thinking of the principles upon which it was founded. Well, you sound like Daniel Webster, all right, but you look like <laughs> Betsy Ross. <laughs> you better take off that dress, Walter, or Mr. Con Good morning, Miss Brooks. Mr. Conklin. I was just passing by and wondered if you'd done anything about these outfits. Snodgrass... Yes, Mr. Conklin? What's the meaning of that outlandish turban? It's just to cover up a cut, Mr. Conklin. I tied it too tight, but I'll take it off as soon as I can get the knots out. I'll see that you do. 
And I... Ah, who is this over by the window? Now, there's a little girl who knows how to dress for school. <laughs> a simple black frock with nice green braid trim. Uh, what's your name, dear? Come, come, come. I won't bite you. <laughs> now, turn around. There. Now, what's your name? Walter Denton. I see. Now, that's a lovely dress you have on, Walter. I wish some of us... That's a lovely dress you have on, Walter! Well, that's one thing about Walter. He looks good in anything he wears. Quiet! Denton, what is the meaning of this disgraceful exhibition? It's a protest, sir, against your refusing to let the girls wear slacks. In my opinion... I am not interested in your opinion, Denton. Where did you get that dress? This? Oh, this belongs to Miss Brooks. Miss Brooks! Thanks, Walter. For a minute, I thought I wasn't going to get any billing. Didn't lend it to me, Mr. Conklin. She'd given it to your daughter Harriet for a sewing class, but when I told Harriet about my protest plan, she gave it to me gladly. I can't believe it. My own flesh and blood mixed up in a nefarious scheme like this. I don't see what difference it makes what you wear as long as you keep learning stuff. Indeed. <laughs> Miss Brooks, I believe that 70% is the passing mark in examination. That's right, Mr. Conklin. Tell me. What mark did Denton receive on his English midterm exams? Forty-five. Boy, forty-five. What a brain. <laughs> and you, Snodgrass, what was your mark on the midterms? Well, right before I got to the last question, I broke my pencil. What was your mark, Snodgrass? Nine. Nine. You see, Mr. Conklin, what difference does it make what you wear as long as you keep learning stuff? Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, will continue in just a moment. But first, here is Vern Smith. Here's wonderful news, ladies. Wonderful, wonderful news. Now there's something thrillingly new in Palmolive Soap's famous beauty lather. Yes, something thrillingly new. Palmolive's famous beauty lather now brings you new fragrance, new charm, new allure. Millions of women will prefer beauty lather Palmolive over all other leading toilet soaps the minute they try it. For Palmolive Soap's famous beauty lather now has a new, clean, flower-fresh fragrance for new allure. New charm. So ladies, forget all other beauty care and use palm olive soap the way doctors advised for a lovelier complexion. Just stop improper cleansing and instead wash your face with palm olive soap three times a day, massaging palm olive's wonderful beauty lather onto your skin for 60 seconds each time to get its full beautifying effect. Then rinse. That's all. All types of skin, young, older, oily, respond to it quickly. Don't wait another day to try Palmolive's Beauty Lather. You'll be thrilled by its new fragrance, new charm, new allure. Thrilled again by the fresher, brighter complexion doctors prove may soon be yours. For new loveliness all over, use big, bath-sized Palmolive in tub or shower. Well, Mr. Conklin finally suspended sentence on Walter and Stretch, but not until he had carved six or seven new notches in his blood pressure. By lunch, I was so dizzy from having been on the ball all morning that after the bell rang, I just sat at my desk with my head in my hands. 
Excuse me, Miss Brooks. What? Oh, it's Mr. Boynton. I didn't hear you coming, which is very unusual for me. <laughs> Your door was ajar, so I thought I'd drop in for a minute. Well, do, Mr. Boynton. Come on in. I am in. Oh, you can come in further than that. <laughs> you won't be tagged out if you take both feet off the threshold. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you to lunch, Miss Brooks. The cafeteria has meatballs today. You're just incurably romantic, aren't you? I'll be glad to come. That is, if Mr. Conklin isn't up there on an inspection tour. Inspection tour? What do you mean, Miss Brooks? If they know what's good for them, the lamb chops will be wearing trousers instead of those little paper panties. <laughs> He's really on a clothes kick, Mr. Boynton. Well, you needn't worry about Mr. Conklin anymore today, Miss Brooks. I just saw him a minute ago, and he told me he was going over to the Board of Education to see Mr. Stone. Mr. Stone, the president of the board? Maybe Mr. Conklin's been called up on the carpet. No, the Board of Education hasn't got a carpet. Just nice cement floors and an early American whipping post for naughty teachers. <laughs> I don't know what this is all about, Miss Brooks, but I'm sure you'll feel a lot better after you've had something to eat. I guess so, Mr. Boynton. Excuse us, Miss Brooks. We... Oh, hiya, Mr. Boynton. Oh, hello, Walter. Stretch. Hi, Mr. Boynton. What can I do for you two that hasn't gotten me into enough trouble already? I just wanted to explain about the dress I borrowed from Harriet that belonged to you. In taking it off, my massive shoulders kind of shredded it. See? Oh, great. Well, it's no good to me now. Just hang it neatly in the nearest wastebasket. We thought maybe you'd want to go to lunch with us, Miss Brooks. Today is meatball day. Don't tell me you're going to dress up like meatballs now. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, Miss Brooks. We're just going to eat. You want to come? Oh, thanks just the same, Walter, but I promised to have lunch with Mr. Boynton. I'll just close up this desk and we're off for lunch. That's what I say. Just mail me a meatball special delivery. Is it a bad rip, Miss Brooks? Oh, no. Very good. All the way. <laughs> Any suggestions? This is terribly embarrassing. I'd better go get you a sandwich until you can get your skirt repaired. Please bring a sandwich with plenty of lettuce. Lettuce? Yes, I may have to wear some. <laughs> Walter... You try and find Harriet. She may be able to loan me something to wear. Okay, Miss Brooks. Uh, Stretch, you stay here and keep Miss Brooks company till I get back. All right, Walter. Well, here we are. What do you want to do, Miss Brooks? Well, we can't dance, Stretch. <laughs> but let's try to think. That is, let's let me try to think. I got an idea, Miss Brooks. Not so loud, it'll get away. <laughs> Harriet Conklin always leaves her gym bloomers in your coat room when she's not taking phys ed, doesn't she? Why, yes, I believe she does. Then if you change into them, I could take your skirt up to the domestic science room and have it sewn up by the time lunch period is over. Stretch, I've been underestimating you grossly. I can't for the life of me see how you didn't get a mark of at least 12 on the midterms. <laughs> well, how do I look in Harriet's gym bloomers? <laughs> That's how I thought I'd look. <laughs> Just sit up real close to the desk like this and nobody will know the difference. Well, I'll take the skirt over to the... Oh, we meet again. Oh, hello, Mr. Conklin. Uh, this is an informal call, Miss Brooks. You needn't bother rising. Don't worry, I won't. Uh, <laughs> I mean, how is everything, Mr. Conklin? I just wanted to tell you... That... Snodgrass, what are you doing with that skirt over your arm? Skirt? Now, see here, young man. I've had about enough protest gestures for one day. Hand it over. Oh, but Mr. Conklin, it doesn't belong to him. Then to whom does it belong? It belongs to him, all right. He looks lovely in it. This has been a very confusing day for me, but I'm trying to control myself. Hand over the skirt, boy. Or better yet, take it to my office and wait for me. I want to talk to you about that bandana you failed to remove. Yes, sir. Goodbye, Miss Brooks. 
I stopped in to tell you, Miss Brooks, that I've just received a call from the president of the Board of Education, canceling my appointment over there. You did? I did. Instead, Mr. Stone is coming here. He is? He is. He's going to personally inspect both the student body and the faculty. The faculty? The faculty. <laughs> there seems to be an echo in here. It must be the deep inkwells. <laughs> oh. I cannot impress upon you too vehemently, therefore, the necessity for the ultimate in neatness and simplicity of apparel. Do I make myself clear? You make yourself clear, Mr. Conklin. Good. Good. Now cut that out! <laughs> I don't like to threaten people, Miss Brooks, but you've got to toe the mark. Oh, please don't bang on my desk, Mr. Conklin. You'll get a fistful of splinters. Oh, I'm sorry. I mustn't lose control. But you've got... Oh, excuse me, I knocked... knocked your pen off the desk. Oh, don't bend down. I'll get it for you, Mr. Conklin. Don't bother. No bother, no bother at all. I'll just kneel down here and I'll get... Good heavens! Something wrong? This floor is filthy. <laughs> Look at the knees of my trousers, dust and chalk marks. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Conklin. Let me see if I can reach that uh, There's an just... easier way, Miss Brooks. The desk is on casters. We'll just roll it out of the way. But, Mr. Conklin, you... Ah, uh, here it is. Now I... Miss Brooks. <laughs> what are you doing in those bloomers? Well, it's like this, Mr. Conklin. On Decoration Day, the drama class is putting on a play. Poppycock. No, sir. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> and I've been asked to play the part of the prince, and dress rehearsal is right after school. More poppycock. Yes, sir. The truth is, I ripped my skirt on this splendory old desk and just put these on till I could get something else. My goodness, Mr. Conklin, it could happen to anyone. Then why doesn't it? <laughs> no, Miss Brooks, these things only happen to you. Only to you! You hear me? Only... I'm going over to my office now and wait for Mr. Stone. And you'd better get something to put on besides those... those black laundry bags. <laughs> and so, Snodgrass, nuts or no nuts, Mr. Stone must not see you wearing that bizarre headdress, you understand? Yes, sir. I'll cut it off with the scissors. What's the errand you want to run for me, sir? Oh, I want you to run one for me. I want you to take my trousers over to the domestic science class and tell Miss Atterbury to sponge the chalk marks off the knees and give them a neat pressing. Now, you just stand right outside the door here and I'll drop the trousers over the transom. All right, Mr. Conklin. Are you directly under the transom? Yes, sir. Good. I'll just be a minute. Hi, Stretch. Hello, Harriet. Did you find anything for Miss Brooks, Walter? Not a thing that would fit her, Stretch. Gosh, well, I... excuse me, Walter, but isn't that Mr. Stone's car pulling up in front of the school? Yeah, I think it is. Mr. Stone? Gee, I'd better beat it. I don't want him to catch me in this bandana. I'll come back after I cut it off. So long. I don't see why all this fuss is being made over what we wear. Well, that's not important right now, Harriet. I wish to heaven we could find something for Miss Brooks to wear. She's the one who re... Oh, Walter! Well, something just landed on your head. What do you know? It's a pair of pants. <laughs> let's take them over to Miss Brooks right away. But I don't understand. A pair of pants couldn't just come flying down. Hurry it, please. Who are we to argue with heaven? <laughs> well, they're a little dusty, but they're better than the bloomers. You look like an ad for trims in those slacks, Miss Brooks. Real slim. Of course, you don't fill them out all over, but... Well, why don't you take a couple of geography books and put them in... Never mind. 
Yes, I only have to wear them until I can get my torn skirt out of Mr. Conklin's office and have it fixed. Right now, though, he's still too angry. Well, I cut the bandana off. Now I can... Say, what are you doing in Mr. Conklin's pants, Miss Brooks? Mr. Conklin's pants? Yeah. I was going to get him pressed for him, but Mr. Stone came by and I... Walter, this is awful. You took Daddy's trousers, and now he must be marooned in his office in his shorts. Gee, I'm sorry, Harriet, but I didn't know they were his. Oh, well, calm down, kids. We'll get everything straightened out I as I beg soon... your pardon, but is this Miss Brooks' room? Mr. Stone? Well, yes, sir, I'm Miss Brooks. We've met several times. In fact, I spent my Easter vacation working at the Board of Education. Miss Brooks, I... do you always dress this way at school? Oh, no, sir, I dress this way all the time. That is, these even aren't my trousers. I... They're not hers, Mr. Stone. They belong to Mr. Conklin. <laughs> Mr. Conklin? But how does he feel about you wearing his trousers? Chilly. <laughs> right now, he must be pretty annoyed, Mr. Right Stone, but now, I'm... Right now, you're coming across the hall to his office, Miss Brooks. Oh, but Mr. Stone, Mr. Conklin doesn't expect us. Somebody ought to go on ahead. I'll and... go, Miss Brooks. You children will sit down in this room and be still. Now then, Miss Brooks, after you. You certainly are. I, I'm coming, Mr. <laughs> Here's the door to his office. Now go on in. I'd better knock first. No, no, don't come in. Just a minute. Wait, please. Don't stand there, Miss Brooks. Go on in. Pardon me, Mr. Conklin, but I was forced to see How you right away. How dare you come bursting into my office like this? And in my trousers. Where did you? How did you? How dare Just a moment, Osgood. No, Mr. Stone. <laughs> You should not berate Miss Brooks for what she's wearing, Osgood. After all, you've got a badly torn skirt on, Osgood. If I were you, I... A badly torn skirt on, Osgood? What is the meaning of this? I can explain everything, Mr. Stone. You can? I mean, of course you can. I know you can, Miss Brooks. Go ahead. Explain it. You yes. see, Mr. Stone, each year on Decoration Day, the drama club gives a play... This year it's called It Also Happens to You. Isn't that right, Mr. Conklin? Anything. I mean, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. It also happens to me. What about uh, this play? Well, faculty and students both take part, and Mr. Conklin's going to act in one of the very important scenes, a scene called Poppycock on Parade. Yes, yes, that's it. It's a beautiful scene. It's a lovely scene, yes. But this is <laughs> What has this torn uh, skirt... Rehearsal, rehearsal. There's a rehearsal right after school in full costume. I was just getting ready. That's right, Mr. Stone. Mr. Conklin plays the part of a lonely native girl on Poppycock Island. It's one of the Hawaiian group. One of the smaller ones. <laughs> what is all this? If you're pulling my leg, Osgood, I'll... Oh, I don't think Mr. Stone has convinced you're a thespian, Mr. Conklin. Perhaps you'd better do the little dance you do in the show. <laughs> Dance? You know, where your lover leaves you all alone on the beach? I'll supply the music, Mr. Conklin. Oh, you love this, Mr. Stone. It's done to the theme song of the play. It also happens to you. Hoof, Mr. Conklin. Arden, a 
as our Miss Brooks returns in just a moment. But first... Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl. Tonight, show him how much lovelier your hair can look after a luster cream shampoo. Only luster cream brings you K. Dumas' magic formula blend of secret ingredients plus gentle lanolin. Gives loveliness lather even in hardest water. Glamorizes your hair as you wash it. Luster cream, not a soap, not a liquid, but a dainty cream shampoo. Leaves hair fragrantly clean, free of loose dandruff, glistening with sheen. Soft, manageable. Gives new beauty to all hairdos or permanents. Four-ounce jar, one dollar. Smaller sizes, either tubes or jars. Tonight, try Luster Cream Shampoo and be a... Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful Luster Cream girl. You owe your crowning glory to a Luster Cream Shampoo. And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks. Well, Mr. Conklin was so grateful to me for getting him out of his embarrassing situation that he canceled all punishments and the entire matter was dropped. That night, I was sitting in the living room with Mrs. Davis when the phone rang. And of all people, it was Mr. Stone. About that play the drama club is putting on, Miss Brooks. Will you be kind enough to hold a dozen seats for me? I'm bringing the entire board of education. The entire Board of Education? Yes. I want them to see Osgood Conklin do that dance in that costume. <laughs> I'll be looking forward to seeing you, too, Miss Brooks. Where will you be after the show? Mr. Stone, if Mr. Conklin does that dance in that costume, I'll be swimming like mad for Poppycock Island. <laughs> week, tune in to another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by Palmolive Soap, Your Beauty Hope, and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written and directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. Mr. Boynton is played by Jeff Chandler, Mr. Conklin by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crenna, Gloria McMillan, Leonard Smith, and Earl Ross. <laughs> Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for 